Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. It's so good to see you here. And just want to start before we jump into the message, and I just want to challenge you with what we just talked about. We have an opportunity um, that is approaching here that we can take advantage of as a church. And I believe God is calling us into a season of both spiritual growth and numeric growth. And what God has been speaking to us and the messages, um, the discipleship course that we've been doing here on a Sunday night, God's been challenging us to go deeper in our relationship with him. But also we're preparing for more people to come and experience the love of Christ. So you can see the the progress that's being made on the addition and um, everything's been prepped for the foundation. The steel has already arrived on site. We know that we're entering into a season of wanting to reach more families and God is calling us to that. And so Easter is an opportunity for us to reach out to people. And so our sanctuary hosts, they're going to come in just a moment. They're going to be helping us, but we have invite cards and we're going to start to hand these out to you. And this is what Alita just talked about, but we are, so those of you guys that are helping us, you can begin to hand those out. We want you to grab a few of those. This year for Easter, we're focusing on, on this idea of victory and what Christ has brought inside of our life. And I'm excited for how God wants to impact our lives as we look at that, his death and his resurrection and what that means for us. But we don't want to just experience that on our own. We want to invite others into that process. And so um, I'm going to encourage you, grab a few of these and we want to take these. We want to begin to hand them out. So family members, friends, coworkers, um, you're at checking out at Walmart or at the grocery store or wherever to take some of these with you and begin to invite others. Hey, you've got to come check out what God is doing in our church. You've got to be my guest on Easter morning. And so we really want to start to do that. Let's begin to do that. We know that people's hearts are open around Easter time. So this is an opportunity, okay? This is, if you're afraid of rejection, this is your best shot right here, okay? Because at Easter, people are, they feel more obligated to go to church. They're looking for a church family. And so we want to be that church that's inviting them. And I just want to um, highlight a story this morning of how God's been doing that um, in someone's life here at our church. So if you would put your hands together and welcome Michael Vasquez to the stage with me, please. So Michael, I've known you um, for the past five years that I've been a pastor here, but everyone here this morning, they may not know you as well. So maybe take a moment, just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about your family, how long you've been coming to NCC. Well, good morning, new community. Happy Sunday, everybody. Um, well, my name is Mike Vasquez, and my beautiful wife, Sarah, and my two kids, Mikey and Jordan. And my older son, Jaime, uh, when he can, he'll come down with his family from Frisco. Uh, but we've been coming here for about five and a half years now, and um, we call this place our home. Yeah. And so recently you've shared with me just a few of the stories and opportunities where God's opened the door for you to invite others. So I would love for you to take a moment, just share what that's like and a little bit of what that's been. Yep. Absolutely, Pastor. So I, I feel very blessed, you guys, to uh, work in a place where I get to see and connect with people all day long. And um, I just feel blessed in that, in that way, in that sense. But after we talk financially, I mean, there's a lot of times when we talk personally. And so on a personal level, we talk about, marriage, we talk about family, um, of course, finances and health issues, and if I ever get an opportunity where I see someone who's frustrated or very, very concerned uh, just about an issue, then it, it's an opportunity for me to express my story to them, and I express how I've been blessed by God, yeah. and uh, depending on what they say, you know, I'll, I'll ask them, you know, are you a man of faith, are you a woman of faith, and then based on their answers, um, most of the time it's like, yeah, you know, I am, I am. But a lot of times, too, it's like I haven't just found a church yet. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm seeking for a church. 
And at, at this time, I'm like, become very excited. I'm very happy at this time. I'm like, yes. I'm like, let me tell you about my church. I'm going to tell yeah. you about New Divinity. And it starts with you, Pastor Aaron. And I, I really talk about you. Um, you're an amazing pastor and your leadership, Thank you. first of all. And then I talk about the worship team. Then I talk about kids' ministry. And then I talk about the prayer group and, and the great people of the clergy. I mean, there's yeah. someone to pray with you or uh, pray for you. And, yeah. and that's just an amazing part of, of what I do. And I keep a stack of these cards in my desk. <laughs> And anytime I have this opportunity, I let you know people know about service times and then uh, directions on how to get to the church. Yeah. And so I know you've invited people. They've come here. But maybe take a moment and just share what's that been like for you and Sarah spiritually? Like as you've been able to invite people, what impact does that have on your life? It, it's been a big impact, Pastor Aaron, because um, my great experience has helped us with our marriage as we become closer with my wife. Yeah. Um, stronger, a stronger relationship, but also with my kids. Um, they're 12 and 11. They love coming to church. And, yeah. Um, you know, we, we grew up in the Catholic um, religion for the longest time, most of my life. But mm -hmm. it was a tough transition at the beginning. But we know it wasn't a mistake. God had a plan. Yeah. And uh, this is our home. And I had a co-worker actually introduced. Uh, his name's Ruben and his family. They are now members here. Yeah. Church, so. Yeah. That's awesome. Can we give him a hand? Michael, thank you so much for sharing. And church, I just want you to know, I want every one of us to have stories just like that. And so this is an opportunity for us to do that. And sometimes we order these and, and we have a few left over. This year, I want to run out early. Okay, that's my challenge. Let's, as a church, let's run out of these early because we're inviting, we're listening to God, just like Michael shared. We're looking for that moment to be able to open up the door and invite others, to encourage others to come and experience what God is doing. And this is a great chance to do this. So grab some of these if you need to grab extras. Um, we also have posters that will be back at the hospitality center. So if you own a business or if in your place of work, you can put up something like this, we want to encourage you, take a few of these. Let's get this out. Let's invite others to come and to be a part of what God is doing here at New Community Church. And we're believing that, that those that arrive on that Easter morning, they're going to experience victory in their life in a way that they've not known it before. And so I'm excited for what God is going to do that Sunday as we're inviting others. And so this morning, um, we want to jump into the message. We're in our second week of this series called Respond. And so we're looking at some of the maybe hard teachings of Jesus, some of the things that maybe we struggle to apply, and how do we live those out? How do we walk out our faith? How do we respond to the things that Jesus has said in the commands that he's given us? And so last week, we started with just two words, follow me, follow me. And that invitation into discipleship where Jesus is looking at these young men and he's saying, hey, I want you to follow me. And that meant that they were going to do this in community. They were going to spend the next few years of their life, not only with Jesus, but with each other. They were going to grow in this together. They were going to engage in God's word. And these two words, follow me, was a statement of faith. Jesus was looking at them and he's saying, I believe in you. I believe that you can do this. I believe that you can live this out. And so we want to look at, that was the first statement Jesus made. This Sunday, we're going to look at some of the last words that Jesus speaks to his disciples, this invitation that he gives them. And so if you have your Bibles, turn this morning to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to start reading at verse 18. And if you don't have a Bible, it's on page 487 of that blue Bible there in front of you. I want to encourage you to take that out. Or take out your smartphone and just Google Matthew 28. You will get there and follow along with us as we look at this. So this is one of the last conversations Jesus is going to have in the Gospel of Matthew. I mentioned this last week, but he walks us through the life of Jesus. The birth, 
what's known as the public ministry where Jesus is preaching the kingdom of God. He's doing signs and wonders, and then even the death and resurrection. And this is 40 days after Jesus has died and rose again. So maybe if you picture it in your mind, okay, Jesus comes back from the dead, and then all of a sudden he's gone. That's not actually what happened. He spends 40 days hanging out with these um, people that he's been discipling. So these men and women that he's been walking with, he's teaching them, he's eating meals with them, he's spending time with them for 40 days after he's died and been resurrected. He's giving them instructions and he's continuing to disciple them. And then he ends with this conversation right here that we pick up in Matthew 28. This is what it says in verse 18. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. So if you have your Bible, I want you to underline that. If you have one of those blue Bibles, you can write in it. Underline that right there. Highlight that on your smartphone. That's what we're going to look at. Make disciples. He says that make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this is, once again, the last conversation. I want you to feel some things before we actually jump into what Jesus is saying here and make disciples. He could have said a lot of things. He spent three and a half years probably with these guys, but this is what he chooses to leave with these men and women who have walked with him. Make disciples. So there's a weightiness to this conversation. There's some substance, if you will, to what he is giving them because this is the last thing that he is going to say now or he's going to say to them, now we need to remember this isn't confusing to them, okay? No one's sitting there in that moment kind of scratching their head like, wow, Jesus, I didn't expect you to say that to us. Like this is, no, because right at the very beginning, we talked last week, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't hide anything. At the very beginning, he said, hey, I'm calling you with a purpose. There's a reason I'm inviting you. I have a destiny for your life. I have a ministry. I want, to, I want you to be a part of what I'm doing and spreading the kingdom of God. So they knew right from the beginning, hey, this is headed somewhere. And so these last words, they made sense. And so he doesn't have to guilt trip them into it, okay? He's not like, hey guys, look at the holes in my hand and the hole in my side and they jab some thorns on my head. And so now you owe me a favor, okay? That's not this conversation. They know all along this is what is expected. This is what Jesus, we're following him because eventually he's gonna turn to us and say, okay, now you go do this. Now you go and share this message. You go and make disciples. So I want us to look at those two words, make disciples. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, okay, good, this message really isn't for me because I'm, I don't have it all figured out. Like I mess up a lot. I say stupid stuff, right? I, I, I mess up. Sometimes I don't do what God wants me to, or I have doubts like I'm not the biggest Bible scholar and I'm still trying to figure this thing out. I want you to just remember who he's talking to. He's looking at Peter and he's saying, make disciples. And this is the guy who 40 days earlier said, Jesus, I'll die with you. Like whatever, man, someone's gonna take your life. I'm right there. And then the first chance he gets, what does he say? I don't even know the guy. Like, hey, -uh, that's not me. You're thinking of someone else. Like I never followed him. I've never been around him. And this is a young girl questioning him. Like, do you know Jesus? And he's like, -uh, I don't have anything to do with him. And then you've got Thomas, who after Jesus has died and been resurrected, He's looking at Thomas saying, make disciples. And this is the guy just a few weeks earlier that says, I don't even believe this. 
Like until I put my fingers in the holes in his hand and I stick my hand in his side, I can't even trust what you're saying to me. And everyone else is like, no, he's risen. Everything that he said is real. And Thomas is like, I just can't get there yet. And yet Jesus, a few weeks later, is saying, now I'm putting all of this on you. You're gonna go. You're gonna make disciples. So if you're sitting here saying, I don't have it all figured out, you're in great company. If you're sitting here and you're like, hey, I mess up sometimes, it's okay. They've done this for thousands of years. Christians have messed up. And Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, hey, I'm calling you to go and make disciples. These two words. So what does Jesus say? Well, we touched on this last week. I'm just gonna hit this one second. Discipleship happens in community. And I'm not gonna spend a lot of time here. The very concept that you were gonna be a disciple, that you were gonna help others follow Christ, meant that you were gonna be around other people, that you were not gonna do this by yourself. And so when he called them and then when he charges them to go out, you have to have other people around you. If you need to understand this more, go back and listen to last week's message, okay? Because we spent some time here. Make disciples. That discipleship happens in community. But then there's two things that Jesus very clearly wants to explain to these men and women that are listening to him. He's like, hey, if you've forgotten some things, if the last 40 days have somehow clouded your judgment with my death and my resurrection, let me again explain what it means to do this. What does it mean to make disciples? And we're gonna actually look at the second phrase um, first, and then we'll go back to what he says before that. But he says this, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Making disciples happens with intentional conversations. How do you make disciples? How do you live out those two words? How do you and I respond to that? We have intentional conversations with people about spiritual matters. And so we're talking to people about what's going on in our life. To make a disciple, it's when we open up about our spiritual walk with God. Your walk with Christ is not a private matter. It's not something that you take and you hide over here and no one else can know about it. No, the very words that Jesus says as he's getting ready to leave this earth is, hey, you're gonna have intentional conversations with others. And so when I enter into this process, when I respond to this, this means that I'm gonna talk to others about what I'm reading in God's word, about what God is speaking to me. It means we get around other people and, and we're like, man, this is really hard. How do you love your enemy? And how do you forgive people when they've hurt you over and over again? And how do you forgive your spouse? And how do you forgive family members that are supposed to, like, what do you do with these teachings that Jesus has? And you don't wrestle with that by yourself, but you have conversations with others of how are you living that out? And what are you doing with that? And how do you put that to practice in your life? That's the process of making disciples. It's intentional conversations with others. That's how discipleship happens. Now, I've recently been thrown into this process. I've driven a car for 26 years, okay? There are things that are automatic at this point. And my daughter, Angela, has watched me do that for the past um, 16 and a half years now. But about a year, a little bit over a year ago, something changed. She was gonna get her driver's license, okay? And um, in our family, I have the amazing privilege of teaching our kids how to drive. Sarah won't do it, okay? And um, you guys, I don't need to watch horror movies. I teach kids how to drive, okay? That's scary enough. 
If you've ever done that, taught a friend how to drive, taught your kids how to drive, you know what that is like, that panic moment where you're like, please just hit the brake, please hit the brake. We're about to crash, okay? And so I have the privilege of doing that. And what I realized is there's so much that's automatic just about me driving. I've done it for 26 years, okay? And so I, I get in and I look in my rearview mirror, right? And there's all of this. I hit the brake and I put it into gear. I slowly let off the brake. I start to push the gas. When I want to reverse, I actually turn the wheel in the opposite direction. Angela knows none of this, okay? And so I'm sitting next to her, panicking, okay? Never prayed more in my life in those moments, okay, Jesus, um, you're, you're going to get us through this. And I have to dial it back and remember, hey, everything that's automatic, I have to say this now. I have to talk about this, okay? So I have to explain. Nope, don't just turn the key and start going. Like, let me, let me explain some things. And then we get out on the road, okay? And we're talking about this. Hey, you took that turn kind of sharp there, like you're going to want to go a little bit wider. Hey, don't stop the instant you get to the stop sign. Start stopping about 20 feet before that, okay? Or, or a long ways before that. You're going to need some time. It, it took intentional conversations. Now, I'm joking. She's an amazing driver, and she's done great. But, but I started to realize, hey, this is a process. And as much as I want to, I can't will Angela to just automatically know that. I can't. And me sitting in the passenger seat and her sitting in the driver's seat does not make her all of a sudden just instantly understand the 26 years of driving experience that I have. It doesn't happen like that. But sometimes we think it does. And so this is what takes place is we, we get in a situation and we have a friend and, and so we're talking with him and we're like, Craig, I want you to come to church. So, so come up here with me, Craig, okay? So Craig's with me and I've invited him and he hears the message and he's responded, right? And now he's given his heart to Jesus and he's following Jesus and he wants to do this thing. And this is what some of us think thinks can happen right here. This is what we think discipleship is. Hey, Craig, from 930 or at 1115, would you just sit here with me? Sure. And he's in the driver's seat and I'm in the passenger. And we think all of a sudden now he's going to be able to follow Jesus because I'm sitting next to him, right? Like it's going to happen automatically. And we're going to open up the Bible for, you know, about 30 minutes, 25 minutes. And all of a sudden now Craig is going to know everything about Jesus that he needs to know. And I'm sorry. Thank you so much for helping me, Craig. You can go back to your seat. It doesn't work like that, church. And there are those of you in this room that you're getting frustrated with people. Well, they're in church, right? Like, why aren't they getting this? It's because no one walked this thing out with them. No one stopped and had an intentional conversation of, wait, this is what you do when you have doubts in your life. This is, this is what Jesus is saying. Hey, three years ago, you didn't even know how to pray. You had to come to me and ask me, Jesus, how do we pray? And so I taught you. Now I'm looking at you saying, go make disciples. You go do the same thing. You have these intentional conversations. You start to talk to people. You share your faith and what's happening inside of you. Don't just keep that for yourself. But now you go and you teach other people. Don't just sit next to them. Begin to talk to them. Live this thing out. Walk this thing out with them. Some of us are missing this. What Jesus said, what he's called us to, and what he's command us, commanded us to do. And I heard this pastor speaking on this and i just never seen it like this before. And so I want to share this story that he shared um, in this message on making disciples. And he said, I had this friend, I think his name was Tim. I, I can't remember, so we'll call him Tim. 
He said, Tim didn't go to my church. This isn't about anyone here, so don't start looking around, okay? Uh, He said, Tim didn't go to my church, didn't have a relationship with God. He said, I just became friends because we had some of the same interactions in the community. And so we'd go grab lunch together. We'd go play basketball together. We'd just hang out. And he said, I started to talk to Tim about what I was reading in the Bible, just different times. He said, not every conversation. Sometimes I'd say, hey, this is what we're talking about at church. And he said, Tim was really nice. He'd laugh and he'd be like, but I don't really believe that God thing. I don't get the Jesus stuff. And he said, one time we're hanging out and I get a phone call and I've got to go to the hospital and pray for someone. So I bring Tim with me. And he's like, he sees me. He's like, he doesn't believe in God, but he sees me pray for this guy. He's like, as we're walking out the room, I look at Tim and I say, one day you're going to do that. And he laughs and he's like, yeah, but I don't get the whole God thing. I'm not into the Jesus stuff. I don't go to your church. He said, we're out at a restaurant. A waitress comes up and I begin to just share my faith with her. Just what I felt like God told me to share with her. And then I look at Tim and I say, one day you're going to do this. And he laughs and he's like, but I'm not into the God thing. He said, one day my phone rang and it was Tim. And he said he was choked up and he said, okay, I'm ready to do the Jesus stuff. He's like, you've you've walked it out for me. He's like, I get it. I think I'm finally there. I think I can believe this. And then he said, what he said next, I didn't even have a chance to respond. He said, so I guess I'm supposed to start giving money at church? Because you talked about that, right? Like I've heard you say you do that. So I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I guess I can start doing that. And then he said, you talked about serving. So do I sign up at a church? Do I go to a nonprofit? Do I find a homeless? Like, what do I do with that? And then he said, I'm not good at talking to people and sharing my faith, but I've seen you do that. So I'm asking you, can you help me? do that? And he's saying, this pastor just said, why do we try to stick people in a classroom for three weeks and we try to put this inside of their lives and we try to just get them to fill out these answers on this booklet? Why aren't we just doing what Jesus said? We're living this out in front of them. We're inviting them with us in this process. We're having intentional conversations about what God is doing inside of our life. And just like Michael shared, we're looking for those moments to share that with other people. In our workplace, in our families, in our community, in our neighborhood, we're looking for those moments. That's what Jesus is saying. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Teach them to obey this. Have these kinds of conversations with them. Wherever you go, begin to share this with others. Begin to teach others about this. Share this thought with others. That's what I'm calling you to do. Teach them. Have these conversations. We're walking through the difficulty with people. It doesn't happen instantly. It's a process that we go through with people, but we're opening up our lives because this is what Jesus has said. Make disciples. Teach them. Have these conversations. Let's look at this first thing that he said here. He says, hey, you're gonna go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so we know this, making disciples happens when you help someone publicly live out their faith. Now I know what you're thinking, Aaron, that's not what that says. You're trying to trick us. I'm not, let me show you what this means, okay? Baptism isn't just a few Sundays a year when we take... um, these things and we move them out of the way and we fill up this tank with water and we put someone in there and we do a little clap and we celebrate like, hey, they just got in the water. That's not what Jesus is talking about. I don't think God has any concern with you getting wet or you being in water, okay? That's not what Jesus is mentioning here. There was a process that was happening. 
So let's look at what baptism meant around the time that Jesus was there. You didn't go to a temple to be baptized. If you had an experience, an encounter with God, you wouldn't go to the synagogue and they had a heated water tank and you'd get in there and people would clap for you. You'd go to the river. And imagine what's taking place while you're there at the river. There are people around that water source because that was kind of life. And if you got thirsty, right, they didn't have running faucets. So you were there because that's where water was. So you'd conduct business meetings. There were shepherds that were bringing flocks of sheep. And so there's all of these people. There were people washing their clothes. There were people with buckets that were going out to get their daily water ration. And then they look over and they're like, look, I know that guy. I know that lady. Wait, who's she with? She's getting baptized by one of those Christians. And you may have family members and friends there. This was a public matter. This wasn't something private you do inside of these four walls. You were out there where anyone could see you. And there was someone standing there with you saying, hey, we're symbolizing you're dying to your old self and you're being raised to new life in Christ. Now, that was only part of it. Because what would happen next is a week later, someone comes knocking at your door. And you open up that door and it's your family and it's your friends that you've spent your entire life with. And they say, we're going to Jerusalem. So get some animals. We're gonna sacrifice them for the sins that we've committed. And all of a sudden you're standing there. That's not who I am anymore. Jesus already did that for us. I'm not gonna go keep sacrificing because he already paid that price. He went to the cross like, and he's changed me. I'm different. And so now you have to look at friends and family members and say, that's, not who I am. And they're looking at you saying, wait, everyone does this. This is everyone in the nation that does this. This is a cultural thing. You can't turn your back on this. And you're sitting there wrestling with, but that's not who I am anymore. Do you hear that? Jesus isn't concerned with someone just standing with you, taking you under the water and pulling you back up. What he's saying is when I tell you to make disciples, you're gonna walk with people of what it looks like to publicly live out their faith. Because you and I, we can invite people to a Sunday morning service and they can respond and God's spirit can speak to them. But my question is, who's with them on Monday through Friday? Who's with them the rest of the week? Who's there when they show up to work on Friday and everyone gathers around and says, okay, we're all going to the bar. We're gonna get wasted tonight. And they have to wrestle with, but that's not who I am anymore. And Jesus is looking at you saying, they better not do that alone, church. They better not be walking out their faith by themselves. You're called to be in this process with them. You're called to stand there when they have to look at others and say, but that's not who I am. Students, when you're inviting students to squad and they're coming here and they're experiencing Christ, when they go back and everyone else is laughing at the person that's having sex or what happened on this weekend, and they have to stand there and say, wait, that doesn't feel right to me anymore. They better not be standing by themselves. You're called to live this thing out with them, to help them publicly walk out their faith, not to just throw them off to the side, but you're in this process with them. You're doing life with them and you're living this out saying, hey, let me show you, let me explain to you. Let's do this together. You don't have to stand by yourself. I'm in this with you. Not just when you start this, but all along the way, I'm here for you. And we miss this as churches. This is what we honestly do is we invite people. We expect the pastor to give some kind of compelling message where they'll experience Christ and they'll receive Christ. And then we wanna tell them, come back at 9.30 or 11.15, figure it out on your own. And this is the picture Jesus gave me. If you and I went to the hospital 
and our friend had had a brand new baby. And we took some pictures and we clapped and we cheered. Yes, look at this new life. And then the family was being discharged and we walked outside and they took that baby care and they threw it on the sidewalk. And as they did, they yelled, come back next week. This is where the home is. It's at 2600 East Glen Boulevard. And we hope you can show up at 930 or at 1115 and we'll hang out for a little bit. You would scream, wouldn't you? I hope you would, okay? I would be, you're gonna, hey, idiot, you're gonna kill that baby, don't do that. Like, I'm gonna go call the cops, I'm gonna call someone, you cannot do this. So why do we do that as the church? Why do we bring people into the kingdom of God and then throw them back out into their life saying, hey, I hope you figure it out on your own, try to make it back here next week. That's not what Jesus is talking about when he says make disciples. He's looking at you and he's looking at me and he's saying, hey, I expect you to walk through this process. You're gonna baptize them, but it's more than that. You're gonna help them publicly live out their faith. So when people are talking to them, you're in this process with them. You're walking through this thing with them. You're not leaving them out on their own, but you're in this with them. They know that they have someone that's standing beside them. And that's what Jesus is saying. This is a public proclamation of our faith. So I want you to hear this, church. This is who we will become. This message right here on this Sunday, this is who are we, we are becoming as a church. We will become a disciple-making church. We will help people understand of what it means to live out their faith. This is not a new program. This is not some course I'm pitching to you, like show up at this point and do this. I'm challenging each of us to respond to what Jesus says. People that make disciples should not be the outliers. It shouldn't be the extreme. It shouldn't be kind of, oh, like, man, look at that. Someone's actually doing that. No, it should be each and every one of us saying, hey, we're going to do this together. We're in this with each other. We're in this process. This is what he said. These are some of the last things that he told us before he left this earth. And so we have to be about this. And he knew this. That's going to get scary. Man, that's going to be hard. For us to say, I don't know if I can do that. And so what does he say? Hey, you're not going to do it alone. Hey, I'm with you until the end of the age. I'm with you for all of your life. You're not going to walk by yourself in this process. I'm telling you to go make disciples, but I'm not leaving you by yourself. I'm giving you my spirit. He's going to live inside of you. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to give you boldness. He's going to walk with you. I'm challenging you to make disciples but you're not gonna do it by yourself. There's gonna be others in this process. I'm giving you my spirit to do this with you. And so when we read these words, how do we respond? We respond with an urgent abandonment to this call. You guys, we realize the important, importance of these two words that Jesus says. And so that's why we realize this isn't up to a pastor this isn't up to a few, like what you may say, well, those are really spiritual people or those people have it all. That's not what this is up to. This is up to every single one of us. This is the call that God has given all of us. You and I, we're gonna go and make disciples. This is what Jesus is challenging us with. And the problem is some of us have traded in the Bible for an American version of Christianity. We have. And we're just trying to look at everyone else sitting around us. And am I, am I doing as good as they are? 
and we're not opening up Scripture saying, God, how do I respond to this? And I want you to hear me, church. We do not have the option to ignore this command. And you and I, we don't get to go to heaven. And students, we don't get to say, but Jesus, I had final exams and I had essays and I had after sports, you know, after school curricular activities and sports. And I had friends and I had a part-time job. And I would love to do that, Lord, but my life is just too busy. And adults, we don't get to say, but the boss was coming down on me and I had all of these projects and I had all of this work stuff and my kids had stuff and I had so busy. So Jesus, I could fit you in from 9.30 to 11 on a Sunday morning. That's what I have to get you. We don't get to do that. Here's what we get to do. We get to come to Christ and we get to surrender our lives. Church, I want you to hear me. We get to lay down everything and say, Lord, nothing else matters, God. And I place you at the center of my life. That's what I get to do. And then whatever else you want there is fine. And whatever else you don't, I'm okay with that. But God, I am going to respond to what you are calling me to do. I'm not gonna ignore what you've said, Jesus, but I'm gonna live my life the way that you've called me to live it. That's what Jesus is inviting you to, church. That's what he's saying, go and make disciples. And this isn't an issue about your salvation. I don't want you walking out of there thinking, well, I guess if I do this, I get into heaven. No, that's not how this works. You and I, we don't earn our salvations. It's simply the grace of God. This is not to get God to love you more. It's not because if you do this, well, then maybe God will be happy with you. That's not what this is about. We accept his free gift of grace. This isn't a question of your salvation, but it may be a question of someone else's. It may be a question of a coworker. This isn't about how you're gonna spend eternity, but it may be about how someone else is gonna spend theirs. In this invitation to make disciples, it's for each and for every one of us. And we don't have the option to opt out and say, I would love to do it, but I'm too busy. That's not an option for us. We don't get to say, well, I guess I'm not really there. No, he's looking at broken men and women and he's saying, now go and make disciples. Walk this out with other people. Have these kinds of conversations with those around you. And church, that's what he's inviting you and I to this morning. And it's not easy. Can I be honest? I'm a pastor and I'm still trying to figure this thing out. But I refuse to live my life any longer without doing this. I'm going to do this. And I'm challenging us as a church to step into this process, not to leave people coming to church and then just abandoning them, but saying, we are gonna walk this thing out with you. We're gonna open up our lives and we're gonna find time to get together and be together.